Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Sunny 16 podcast. My name is not Aid, as you've probably heard. Um, Aid is uh, on um, an assignment as a husband tonight, which is a good thing, and I applaud him for doing that. And with me is Rachel. Hi, Rachel. How are you doing? Hi, I'm good. It's lovely to be here. I'm so glad that you are here with me today and we also have a super special guest i think we should just very very briefly before we introduce our very special guest mention the lurking bearded gentleman in the corner um who is on producing role today so um uh, we have we have somebody who are our listeners, I was going to say our viewers, but definitely our listeners. We wouldn't want to um, subject everybody to viewing it. Um, we have our, our bearded Graham uh, in the corner who is who is here, who said he's not going to say hello, but just so everybody knows, he's uh, he's lurking in the background. He's lurking, yeah. He's helping today. Trying so to make us laugh, Rach. Absolutely. Um, so I actually put up the flare signal and said today, please, Graham, would you mind coming to help and make sure that um, we have the show recorded um because i messed up last week unfortunately and managed to um accidentally give our guest the wrong date so <laughs> um uh, with with um uh, no further ado uh, i would love to introduce ariella um to everybody um it's really lovely to have you here with us today hi everyone and hi rachel christian hi. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, it's yeah. nice to be in the same time zone as everyone. I'm in London as well. <laughs> You're in London. Oh my goodness. Well, because obviously you um you live uh, over in Vancouver, Canada. Yeah. Um and uh, you're over in uh, you know in the UK now uh, on uh, your trip. Your very exciting trip around. So I'd love to hear a little bit more about that. Um and uh, I believe obviously you went through via Italy. Um is that correct? On the uh, Portugal, Portugal yeah. on the way through, um, and I saw some fantastic photos that you've got from there. I don't know if you've had a chance to develop any of your film ones yet, or? I actually just ordered Chemistry Today, what? and I couldn't help myself, like three, three <laughs> weeks in a dark room, it was a challenge, and I, I just have to. <laughs> You know, I was thinking you—you you probably have like your um everything kind of ready on order to be like shipped to, to London, so you can set up <laughs> ready and, and get everything developed as well uh, whilst you're there. So, um, tell us a little bit about um about yourself, and let's let's give our listeners uh, a sense of who Ariel is and how you've come to analog photography. Um, I. I came across your work on Instagram um, originally, uh, but obviously you also have a fantastic website. So um, yeah, tell us a little bit about about that. Yeah, so yeah, my name's Ariella. I'm uh, born and raised in the Philippines. I moved to Canada about 10 years ago and uh, yeah, I've lived in Vancouver since. Um, I'm a 90s baby. We'll give away my age. <laughs> but uh, for a lot of us, like, you know, we were kind of in the uh, era when digital cameras first became a thing, but we were young enough to remember analog cameras as well. So I grew up with a film camera. I remember <clears throat> uh, my parents had like an Olympus, it was like a leather like a red leather Olympus. I don't remember the model name, but it was one of those with the zoom ones. 
Oh my god, that sounds so nineties as well. Yeah, probably one of like the later, you know, point and shoot models that they had back then. The ones that sell for like five hundred uh, quid now. Probably, <laughs> very likely. Um, so I grew up with film cameras, and I've always admired them and liked photography uh in university i studied chemistry so i'm honestly a huge nerd (laughs) Um, but ever since i've always really loved photography and it never really went away Um, and so for me film photography especially is just like it's just like the perfect mixture of art and science and uh, probably like my favorite form of self-expression really um, and so I've always shot film as a kid as a teenager as an adult um, but it was really during like 2019 mm-hmm. I got like my first film SLR and that's when I started like you know regularly photographing and and then the pandemic happened and so when people were making sourdough bread and raised gardens i was trying to figure out how to develop film at home and the rest is sort of history um actually last summer i was here in london and that was the first time when i learned how to print in the dark room so i actually did like a quick four hour workshop here in london um and then that was basically the beginning since august i've been trying to go to the dark room once a week um in vancouver we have a great community dark room and it's in a community cent- uh community center so it's subsidized by the city of vancouver and so it was it's very cheap to use and we all basically run it ourselves we take turns cleaning the dark room managing chemistry and so it's it's a great, I don't know, it's just a great regular thing you get to do and you keep learning. And I've really just been enjoying um, film photography as an art practice lately. And I have many more ideas that I want to work on. So, yeah. I can tell you, you, you've just got that like beaming smile where I, I can see all these like ideas almost like going oh, around in your head as you're talking it's, it's you're a like slippery slope really oh my <laughs> <word>. really <laughs> it's so lovely to meet another very self-confessed um geek about uh about the sort of chemistry side of it as well which I I think I found really interesting about your your approach that um for myself I've always loved because I never did anything in terms of chemistry or the science part of it but I've always been interested in like that idea that it's chemicals and light that make Mm. art um and so when I came across your work and and you know on your website you know your about page and talking about you um your mum I think catching you red-handed um throwing various different chemistry down the toilet trying to figure out like what would make things explode and and I just thought this sounds amazing like um what a cool way to to get into something um, very creative um, which is a lovely part of what analog photography is about you know all these different recipes and different things that you can do it sounds like such a fantastic facility that you have there in the community uh, darkroom and that it's subsidized which means that it's a you're able to access it at you know an affordable rate it's it's a really 
um, challenging thing to um, to be able to do that, um, you know, here um, and and have people be able to run it as a community um, yeah. space instead. Um, shout out, I guess, to uh, to the people who you work with there, and, and it would be nice to know where it is yeah. and more people can. Uh, so the. Uh, we call ourselves the West End Photographic Society. Mm-hmm. And so we're basically the people behind the West End Community Darkroom. Um, it's inside, like, no, no surprise, inside the West End Community Center. So it's uh, it's within downtown Vancouver, and it's mm-hmm. quite accessible by train and bus. And a lot of people that I know also bike there. Mm-hmm. It's just like a really, really nice um, community initiative. And it's been running since the 80s. Wow, amazing. Yeah, Yeah. where where I feel very lucky to be part of it because some of the members there have been using it for for years and years. And it's just great that the city supports this. Uh, Having a community darkroom is a really nice thing to have. But I think that's something that is most likely to be found in a in a city right because um we live in you know in, basically in the countryside we have some bigger cities around but it's not like there are community dark rooms uh around anywhere uh, some schools seem to be picking up mm-hmm. um uh, film photography which is a good thing because it teaches you about chemistry and and art obviously uh, but yeah uh, looking at your images ariella i thought that um the city life is very much a subject of your of your photography and would you call yourself a city girl is that something that uh, would characterize you i guess so um well in the philippines i grew up in manila which is right the <laughs> capital city so it's one of the most i guess now one of the most densely populated in southeast asia and it's very very busy um, Vancouver in comparison I think what I really liked about Vancouver when I first moved there was just the size um, it's not nowhere near as big as London um, but still quite like a busy city mm-hmm. um, but you're near the mountains and you're near the water as well and that's what I like um, so I think I, that's kind of what uh felt like oh this is i feel like i belong here because in the philippines um there's a lot of islands so we get one of the world's we're very lucky to have one of the world's most beautiful beaches but um living in the pacific northwest in north america like you get a lot of forest and mountains as well which is gorgeous and so we're very lucky in vancouver we get a mix of both city and nature and i get in between both. yeah i think squamish uh squamish is such a dream destination for me at least because i i, I um used to rock climb and uh, that was always like uh, oh, yeah. the dream destination to go there and uh, um but um i don't know if you if you go there often to shoot photos but uh, as i said i think that normally the subjects or the 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 uh, subject matter of your photos is city life isn't it um for now yes uh there's a two-part answer to that mostly because i have not caught up to all the film i haven't developed <laughs> <laughs> I do, in the summer i do go out uh with my friend and 
So my confession is I don't actually drive. <laughs> so that's okay. <laughs> to, uh, in Vancouver, you can get away with not driving. I actually cycle a lot. But to get to all the beautiful hikes and stuff, I tag along with my friends. And so I do know a spot in Squamish. And be- that's only because I also like to forage. So oh. a few years ago, I learned how to pick mushrooms and so we're also lucky we get a lot of that in in Vancouver and so Squamish is has amazing amazing views but also very very good forests for mushroom picking uh, <laughs> yeah um, it's interesting that you're talking about foraging because um I was wondering if you have experimented or if it's on the list to do uh, in terms of um recipes with um uh, creating your own developers and things like that from things that you've foraged i was just wondering i want to that's definitely like a rabbit hole that i have not gone down yeah, <laughs> yeah. It, would, it would be so much easier if you could if you could forage coffee and just start with caffeinol yeah but that's but, the thing you could because you, you can use so many different kinds of things and i was like i'm 100% sure that you would yeah. be able to do something with this amazing you know foraging skill as well it's like I don't know I, I love that idea of kind of picking up all these skills and and bringing them together to create something at the end of it I think that you know that's clearly what you're interested in that kind of idea of uh of combining science and art anyway so I was like oh I wonder if that's something you've investigated we, we, I think we should challenge Ariella to try uh um cyanotypes uh oh in Squamish, you know, just uh, take a few sheets with her and just do cyanotyping there. That's that's something I certainly want to try. Now, in the last two years, actually, summers in Vancouver have been extremely hot. And so unpleasant as it is, it might be very good for cyanotypes. (laughs) With cyanotype is that at least it will work anyway, you know, as long as there's access to UV light, it will just take a bit longer. So it still works in Britain, which is very, um, you know, uh, unpredictable in terms of uh, weather, or I suppose it's predictable in that it's going to be pretty rubbish (laughs) all the time, but it will still work. It just takes more time to do it um randomly i actually have a one of my kit my cyanotype kits you know my ready coated ones that i make going off to the kalahari desert soon wow. um via croydon um so it's going to croydon first and then uh, and then off there so i've never had one of those go anywhere like that with that amount of uv light before um mm-hmm. so i was like it's probably the best idea to cut it and get it literally ready in croydon mm-hmm. Make sure it's wrapped, and then because you can, I can only imagine it might just be like poof. <laughs> done. Yeah, <clears throat> and really, really yeah. depends on the chemistry you use. The classics, yeah. you know, cyanotype, it's pretty quick. Yeah. yeah, exactly. It's going to be yeah. really interesting to see. Uh, yeah, so I think that would be that would be another lovely thing, hopefully, for you to investigate. Um, sorry, Christian, you've got a question. Yeah, I, I was wondering. I, I saw m- mostly, but, but you said you haven't developed all your or your film yet. But I saw mostly. Um, uh, color work on your mm-hmm. um, on your website, which maybe is not you know uh, the representative of what you shoot normally, but it was like it felt like twenty percent uh, black and white and like eighty percent. Oh yeah. goodness, I, I made the correct calculation. I'm, I'm so glad. Eighty <laughs> percent uh, color. Um, how, how much? 
what's do you, are you biased in terms of using color film? Is that something that you prefer over black and white, or did you just happen to shoot color? I think in the last year, yeah, since since last year, that has definitely changed. Um, most more so after I started printing in the dark room. Um, I wish I could show you my 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 little film holder case I have here. I bought about 50 rolls of film here to London. Wow. And about, I want to say about 30 of that is black and white. So more than 50% is now black and white. Oh, yeah. cool. Yeah, it's certainly changed. But when I first, yeah, when I first started with that film SLR, it was a Nikon FE, I remember. Mm -hmm. Back a few years ago, I was definitely more inclined to shoot color um i think several that changed for several reasons i think first it's just really color film has been very expensive mm -hmm. but then when i started shooting medium format and last year I started shooting large format um black and white was just more accessible and i think when i started you know shooting more of it i started to just really noticing how much I really enjoyed shooting black and white genuinely and so now when I go out sometimes it really just depends on my mood <laughs> um, if it's if it's a little moody there's not as much light I think um, I don't know there there are very moody black and white scenes like for example the last few days it's been a bit rainy London so I really enjoyed like graphing mm. puddles because the reflection and then the way you compose certain frames with puddles in it it just really makes for a very interesting photo that's one of my favorite ones of yours <laughs> I absolutely love this image it, it's at the airport yeah as you were yeah. on your way over on the trip um and I, I just think it's just such a lovely um, composition that you, you've done as a portrait but it's a black and white image which is why I, I've just brought it up now as we were discussing that and that moody feel to it um, two cleaners I think um, uh, or maintenance people in the uh, sort of like in sort of silhouette against the light um, but you can also see a pair of trainers just a pair of trainers going past on the travelator which I was like that's amazing because it must have been quite a uh, long exposure I suppose or a slow shutter speed or something that you've so that they've gone past? I, I shot that with uh, double X, like Kodak double X, ISO 250. Right. I think it was just in my point and shoot. <laughs> but it's just brilliant. I love I love how it's it really got a feel to it, like a, a moody feel like you were mentioning. And, yeah. and like that works, I think, as a shot in black and white that I don't think would be it yes. would have an impact in color um and yeah i just I, it was one that i was like ah oh, that's a that'd be a brilliant print i hope you do print that because uh, that'd be so good to use that um, oh when i go into the dark room like what do i print i only have like because for the way the dark room works you have to book it in advance mm -hmm. i think you have a limit of like four to six hours sure. so like oh this is all the time i have and that also includes cleanup so I'm like mm. <laughs> in advance. Oh, what do I print? Yeah. Well, now you know. There you go. <laughs> no, I I think it's just it's lovely. It's a lovely shot. It's got movement, but it's kind of got 
peacefulness to it it's I, yeah it was really really lovely and um I was wondering actually Christian was obviously asking about your color photography um but and you'd mentioned that you've gone more to black and white because you're in the community darkroom do you ever print black and white from your color legs I that actually that is in the lesson plan great I learned yet but I want to fantastic <laughs> because it do, because you've got color necks and obviously oh. you've got some lovely lovely work that you've shot yeah. already it would be a shame to not see them you know even if it is in a different way it would be interesting to see how maybe some of your favorite color ones come out as black and white as well definitely what what, what um medium do you prefer right now i mean you you talked about your point shoots you talked about medium format and large format i mean obviously you pick whatever is right for the occasion i i get that but uh if you if you i don't want to you know ask this cliche what would you take on an island if you could only take one camera you're gonna ask is, anyway aren't you christian yeah uh, yeah but i will so so is there because i feel like sometimes i feel I, i fall in love with a certain camera and even though i've got other gears tend to come back to that camera mm. do you have something similar Uh, that's hard that's so hard <laughs> <laughs> which is your, okay which is your current favorite camera baby D don't don't let her off the hook rage sure, okay. no, it's okay to take the question seriously desert island i think just has to be for practical reasons a 35 so that eliminates my medium and large format <laughs> to get more frames <laughs> uh, and I think so that I don't rely on electronics it has to be a manual camera mm -hmm. and I think the ones that are built that are, that are just built to last is the oldest camera in my collection which is the Leica 3 oh <laughs> is that the um uh is that the really early one the Leica like 3A uh actually the M3 the <laughs> F So it's the later, like... Oh, amazing. Uh, so we've got something very, very similar then, because um, I've got uh, the 3A, uh, and you've got 3A. I didn't realize that. They're such a lovely, lovely-looking um, field camera, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, look, Graham's got his there as well. <laughs> Yay! Um, but I would have also shown mine. <laughs> it's not sorry. That's that's okay. I, I That way I won't feel uh, left out, because I don't own a Leica. <laughs> Yeah, thumbs down from Graham. Thank you very much, mate. But that's all right. But that's that's the thing with those with those older likers. They're just yeah, I don't know. I, I think mine was like 150 quid, something like that. It, you know, they're not. We're not talking hundreds and hundreds of pounds. We're not talking thousands of pounds, and you still get something really, like, really fun to play with. You know, it, it feels like yeah, this is a proper camera. You know, that's been made by you know well obviously not by hand I guess by machine but it's just lovely to to mess with those I think so so you do you shoot with that one quite a lot um I only got mine in January so mm -hmm. I already put a couple rolls through it um and I don't know it's it's sort of like I'm having a weird fangirl moment because I <laughs> Debating between bringing it with me here on my trip or leaving it behind in Vancouver because that's mm -hmm. always the ultimate question when you travel: what camera to bring? And it's, it's just so hard. But I, 
I was just daydreaming about, wow, like, you know, all the photographers back then in the 50s, they shot London, they took photos all over Europe with the same camera that I have. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it's just like a very romantic idea of mine that, oh, Henri Cartier-Bresson had the same camera. <laughs> and- <laughs> was also here in London and shooting the same building so <laughs> I think that's really lovely like there's you know it's it's your own interpretation of following in the footsteps of that mm-hmm. journey you know and, and revisiting those spaces sometimes that's a lovely thing to do to see how it, it might inspire you you know as well that's and great. at least you you use that camera because there are I, I I think there are plenty of Leica collectors who just you know buy the camera for its history and just you know make it a shelf queen which is such a pity um because i think to be perfectly honest i um i think that leica despite the price it still is a very sustainable camera because you can have it repair especially Mm -hmm. the m models you can still have them uh, repaired and i had the pleasure of going to wetzlar where the leica headquarters are yeah it was uh, sort of fun because uh, two of my friends one with an m6 and one with an m4 and me and my fuji we went there and yeah it was uh it was it was, it was no it wasn't wasn't an instax it was it was digital filthy filthy digital camera and uh yeah but it's cool because you can see that they are uh, the their repair shops they repair all the old stuff and if you of course you need to have the funds but they do repair the stuff and I th- in, in an age where we just throw away electronics, uh, uh, you know, like crazy, I think having a camera that is repairable for years mm-hmm. is something that is uh, worthy considering, isn't it? Yeah. So, um, so did you bring your Leica with you? Sorry, Ariella. Yes. Okay. So uh, you said you've, you brought 50 rolls of film. Uh, <laughs> what cameras were, were it that you, that you brought? Sorry. So, there's the Leica 3. Um, actually, surprisingly, on this trip, I only brought rangefinders and one medium format camera. Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> so I've, I've been an SLR girl for the longest time, but now yeah. I, I don't know. There's something about rangefinders and street photography in general that I really found myself really enjoying. <laughs> So, Ariella, you were talking about um, the fact that you brought 50 rolls of film with you. And I was just wondering what kind of cameras you brought as well, because that, as you mentioned before, it's really hard to know what to bring, you know, whether it's to a desert island or whether it's to its, whether it's to the UK. You know, if you're on a trip, what do you bring with you when you're doing that? Yeah, uh, that's, that's really one of life's hardest questions. <laughs> isn't it always, isn't it always? That's the, always the same with camera nerds, isn't it? Uh, but for this trip specifically, um, I bought four cameras. You bought, uh, hang on, hang on. You bought brought. four cameras. Oh, you brought, oh, sorry. I just uh, thought you took the nerdism a little bit too far. But yeah, but sorry. two of them were newly acquired. So <laughs> okay. I did bought two cameras. <laughs> um, so three of which were range finders and one medium format. And no uh, SR at all, and no large format. It's no okay. large format, even though I probably would have just worn all the clothes on my back so that I could bring my 4x5 <laughs> camera and my carry-on. Uh-huh. Uh, 
Um, what yeah. what kind of range? I mean, apart from the Leica three F, yeah. what other range finders did you bring? Uh, so I bought my Olympus XA, which I loved. Ooh. It's it's a forever camera. I hope it never breaks, even though Ooh. maybe one day, who knows? Um, but yeah, I, I love the XA. It's just really pocketable, and people don't really, you know, find it suspicious. They they. It's just nice, a nice little camera. And uh, the other one is a Bessa R. Ooh. Uh, yeah. So that one I haven't used this much because I just got it two weeks before I left for London. <laughs> <laughs> so, That's how you can learn a camera. Bring it on a, a trip like this, right? Amazing. Uh, so might as well, right? Um, yeah. But yeah, those are the three 35mm cameras. And then I bought my Hasselblad. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. Um, and uh, which which Hasselblad have you got? Is it the 500? Yeah, it's the 500cm. But I bought my 645 back, which is a bit interesting to shoot with. Uh, I don't know. I still like square format a lot, but... When in this economy, six four five, you just, I just get more frames. I was gonna say, it'll be sixteen, won't it? Yeah, it's sixteen. Yeah, rather than twelve. When you're shooting street, and you know those four extra frames sometimes really matter. So yeah. So so I think I think the funniest uh, the funniest thing is to see a. Um, medium format shooter, a six four five shooter, trying to shoot a uh, uh, portrait with a waist level oh, yeah. viewfinder that was me that is yeah that's that's it, it reminds you of you know someone doing a strange form of yoga with a camera i got a few looks in portugal <laughs> and it, well and it's an interesting it, conversation starter so yeah it is and it also trains your brain because you have to flip the camera 90 degrees and then try to frame something while the image is in reverse and yeah good stuff especially if somebody's in that shot moving as well going from one side to the other and you're trying to capture somebody who's actually moving that's yeah. even uh, more of an extra layer right to yeah. deal with that's so funny so, oh my goodness um, um so, so you said you shot 30 rolls of your 50 so far or a bit more sorry those were well of the 50 30 were black and white um i haven't I think I've gone through about half. Um, so I still have quite a few rolls left to shoot. So, <laughs> sorry, Christine. Sorry, that, 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 uh, that, that, um, um, that leads to the question, how do you bring those rolls back to Canada? Hopefully you'll develop them in, yeah. in the UK, right? Uh, so yeah, today my chemistry just arrived. So maybe on Friday or the weekend, I will develop a few black and white. <laughs> Good stuff. <laughs> See, uh, I don't know. It's a, it's an itch I have to scratch. I just have to do it. It's been what, three three weeks since you've developed yeah. anything that you've been on your on the trip. So uh, yeah, isn't that yeah? So you'll be dying to get get hands on to some chemistry and get that. That process that sounds fantastic um, but, and i want i would like to find out a little bit more about what you're planning to do with those images because obviously uh, a big part a big 
thing that I'd seen that you'd been busy with, of course, is your book. Um, no longer a zine, definitely a book. Um, and obviously, your um, your first edition of your of your book is is mostly color, I think. Yeah. Um, and if not all color, is it all color? Sorry, it's all color. Yeah. yeah. Um, whereas I realised that um, with a lot of what you're posting, that was showing a lot more of your black and white work and being like, ah, oh, so this is going to maybe be the second book. Um, so I was wondering if, are you basing this second book that you're going to create on on this trip, on the images that you've taken from the trip? Um, so, yeah, since I made that first book, I've actually travelled and seen quite a few not to, not countries specifically, but even like just places um, that I have friends with or I have a certain connection to. And I think for me, that makes it even more meaningful because I actually know someone who's actually, you know, not just from there, but actually considers that place home. Mm-hmm. And so to be invited to sort of see that place and experience it I think to me is extra meaningful um like of course there's always that sense of wonder and seeing a new place and like experiencing a new city um but even if it's like a small town in like the interior of BC and where it has a population of 4,000 people I think there's always something special and something beautiful to to photograph there Um, and so um, I sort of want to um, try and see if I could turn it into a project not necessarily a book I don't know if it will come together as maybe a little um, uh, showcase like a a show in the local station yeah I definitely want to make prints out of the book. I mean, out of those photos in form of uh, large prints or even as a book. Um, but for my first book specifically, that's about the city called Saskatoon. And so for me, Saskatoon has a special place because it was actually the first um, city that I went to right after COVID or like right when like restrictions started to ease and people can ride planes again and travel. So that was actually the first um, place that I visited. And it was also during a time when um, for, you know, like the longest basically period of time when we weren't able to go anywhere or like talk to our like, or see other people really. And so for me to go to a new place and kind of experience it for a first time, it was very special. And I returned to it last summer. And so seeing it again exactly a year after was also very interesting. Mm-hmm. And between the first time and the second time, so much has happened as well. And I also feel like um, I've also changed as a person and as a photographer. And so I want to kind of continue the Saskatoon project into a sequel. Um, but oh, maybe, like a sort of thing. Yeah, but you're right. I think I'm mm-hmm. going to do it in black and white. So that will be... Think, oh, that would be so lovely. Like, if you've got your first book, which is, can I just say, like, super impressive. You started shooting with, an, like, an SLR in 2019, and you've already created a whole 
book <laughs> that's amazing um of your images and then if you're making this a sort of part two it's the same place but in black and white three years later or what have you it'll be that's that's such a lovely way of documenting so like as a social record of of a place of a space of a people you know that are, that are there at that moment um and uh yeah i just think i i love that idea of um there being perhaps some an addition of this over mm -hmm. the years you know as as you kind of like travel through time through mm -hmm. life yeah. kind of and forwards as well which would be really interesting to see Definitely. um and uh, and like you say maybe making that into an exhibition as well would be would be a lovely way of of bringing people yeah <laughs> um who who live there and maybe wouldn't have access perhaps yeah. to buying your book or what have you to see those images yeah. as well those prints mm -hmm. would be brilliant i i think one of my one of my favourite um, uh, posts that you'd done on Instagram was uh, uh, you being like, look, mum, I've got my print in exhibition. And I just thought that was completely adorable. And I love that. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, there is something so exciting about that, that moment, isn't there? Like that first, I don't know if that was your first print in an exhibition there, um, but it, yeah, it really just made me go, oh, I'm so I'm so pleased for you, you know, to have done that. Um, maybe you could tell us a little bit about that, how that. Yeah, mm -hmm. um, that one specifically was my first time showing my darkroom prints. Yeah. So that was like, oh, I didn't even think I would ever print in the darkroom. Like for me, seeing like, you know, the red lights and like all the big enlargers, like growing up, that was just like, something I saw in like movies <laughs> and like cool TV shows and now I get to do it myself um, I yeah that was just like yeah a dream come true pretty much um, but I was lucky to be able to join a group show in 2021 I believe um, so aside from the West End Photographic Society in Vancouver, I'm also part of the Vancouver Street Photography Collective. So we call ourselves Van SPC. And every year we try to have an annual group show. And so about 50 members of the collective, we get together and like submit photos and we organize a show in a gallery and um, yeah, in 2021, that was my first time to sh basically share my work. And I was lucky enough because that was also a few months after I just came back from Saskatoon. So I was able to share a photo from Saskatoon. And I remember that, like, how can I forget that photo? It was very memorable. Um, uh, it was a photo of uh, this place called Manitou Beach. And so in Saskatoon, it's a city that's basically in what we call the prairies. It's like in, the, in central Canada. So it's landlocked. There's no mountains. There's no ocean. It's all just land. And so for people during the summer, their basically version of a beach is this saltwater lake. Huh. And yeah, it's really cool. Um, and so people go there um, to, you know, cool off and enjoy the water. And it really looks like a beach if you don't see the rest of the lake. <laughs> <laughs> so that's that's the first photo I exhibited. And it was this photo of a, 
a boy with red hair and he was in the middle of basically a crowd by the shore of the beach and one one of the um people who went to the gallery opening um you know it's it's a really good chance to like talk to the artists when you when you're able to attend the reception and actually one of the one of the people there actually um talked to me and said like there's just something very timeless about this photo you can't really tell if it's in 2000 or 1950s it mm -hmm. feels like it's it's just a moment that's stuck in time and so i think that's what i really love about it and what i love about i guess film in general it just gives you a yeah. sense of like nowhereness and also everythingness <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah so that's kind of your aim really then it sounds like with with what you're creating with photography if you're you're looking for that timelessness um mm -hmm. to your kind of style we've we've recently just come up off the back of doing a, a mini series on style and how you kind of create that over time and um and that a lot of people don't feel like you have a particular style but then when you look mm -hmm. at a body of work um you can start to pick it out and go oh yeah that actually has a very distinct fingerprint of you know my mm. vision of, of the world and things so mm. um yeah, classic and timeless are definitely things that um come through with analog mm. photography i think Absolutely. um so you're sorry christian has has a question go on question yeah. how do you handle it like we're at school like, yeah yeah I, I, it's I, th I find that easier than just uh shouting oh, stop i want to ask a question no uh um <laughs> Looking at your work, I mean, I, I, on your homepage especially, um, I sometimes feel like um, uh, you're very much in the observer role. I don't think, uh, or at least from what I can tell, it looks like you don't approach people to shoot street portraits a lot, right? And uh, how 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 do you feel about? I mean, when you're on you're in the street photography uh, collective and and. There are people who who really seek um, not the confrontation, but the the interaction mm. with the subjects, and you don't seem to be like that. You you like to stand back and be a, like a. a yeah, it's, not, it's not like it's almost <laughs> almost like most most shots are candid shots, not yeah. in a creepy way, but in a in a observatory. <laughs> I I don't know how to express it, but no, you know no, what I mean. you're absolutely right. Um, I think uh my approach to I guess street photography in general was has just really changed I think before I was yeah well I think with a lot of photographers you know a bit uh, scared or a bit um, it's a bit daunting about to think about the idea of asking permission or engaging with someone out in the public for a photo and for the longest time I've always been scared And I think street photography taught me that it doesn't necessarily have to be that way. And even then, even if you do ask someone for their photo, what's the worst that can happen? Most times they just say no and you continue and you go about taking more photos. Um, and for me, I think my favorite photos have has always been... Um, Yeah, I think I like to preserve moments as they are. And I think that also, um, at, I guess, attribute to the whole timelessness of a photo. Because for me, that's like maybe the 
the purest memory I have of that moment that I just experienced it as it was. And the photo is what I is the sort of record I have of that particular day or time or place. And, and I, yeah. I, I've, I find that thought very interesting. I, I, I guess that if you ask people about stuff they, they experienced, uh, trips they went on, people they met, lots of people love to tell their story. I mean, verbally tell their story the way they want to, because they know they want to share a certain anecdote. And, and mm -hmm. I feel like photography is very much the same because mm -hmm. no photo, no photograph is, um, is like real in terms of it mm. is accurate, uh, completely accurate, uh, accurate, because it would always just show you uh, a cropped version of the whole scene. It will yeah. you decide as a photographer what to show, and and uh, that is what yeah. makes photography a good form of expression. Because even from the same event, you get totally different uh, photographs and different styles of photographs. And mm. I'm really looking forward to rage to the assignment that we set ourselves mm. to find out how we how we uh shoot an apple a chair and, and, and a hat i have no idea it'll, it'll it'll come i guess but yeah this is a, a moment of madness last week where i accidentally set us a challenge and was like oh, yeah we should do this and then and then i went oh gosh that means i've got i've got to do that <laughs> um, but it was it was the idea you know that we were talking about everybody can be in that same space with the same elements and come up with something mm -hmm. completely different and and um, specifically talking about your street photography, um, I love that um, the the kind of uh, the reticence that you have about having those interactions with people actually has created a very distinct style in how you do photograph people on the street in that, you know, it's not um, right up close. It's often back of head or hair covering or something yeah. like that. You you look at all of them and you go, oh yes, this is very much an Ariella's style because they they have a very consist consistent look to them, really beautifully like done. I, I you know you could there's so many people who I think you know they could take a photo of the back of somebody's head and it would just look like nothing. But the way that you do it and the way that you approach it is just so beautifully done uh, that it captures that moment and that person within that, and it doesn't feel staged and it doesn't feel you know that you're but, missing anything by not seeing their face necessarily but one of the uh, what a really strong image on on your website is the 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 father on the monowheel uh, with his son also on the monowheel and he is the only person in the in the shot looking right at you while you shot the photo and i think it's a very strong image because uh, it, it feels like he's looking at you at not not as at the at the um person looking at the at the fo uh, photograph and uh, that, rachel's observation um um triggers the question me is it something you do voluntarily is it something you know just shooting people from a distance or from behind or would you rather you know approach them and ask them can i take your photo because it sometimes looks like I, I don't I don't know I'm I'm just guessing but I I I feel this this little bit of desire to actually be brave and approach people and <laughs> get certain shots I don't know I might be mistaken. Uh, I think it's more of like the former. I think I like to keep my distance. 
um i think it's also intentional that sometimes the 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 photos that i have of people are just moments that are mundane like people playing in the playground or the people cleaning windows at the airport i think those are also moments that we don't really pay attention to um and i think that's i guess that's my favorite part about being yeah an observer is just like being able to i guess relive certain mundane moments and appreciate the beauty in them like they happen all the time um wherever you are in the world whether you're in europe or canada or in the philippines um there's always just like a nice beautiful moment that you get to be in and something i guess nice to behold um mm. and i don't know like people can approach i guess those moments differently um there are like in vancouver actually in the neighborhood that i live in um there is this place called granville island and during the weekends there's a lot of um families with kids and this is a bit of a gray area and i openly talk about it um like photographing children um for me especially i think uh children in like street photography there's a respectful way to do it you can always ask parents for their permission but it's also like in a way of how they're captured i think children specifically they're just so unfiltered and so candid like they're so open with their emotions and the and the way they experience life makes you i guess reminisce about being a child again and there's just something very pure about that moment that um really draws me in when i see the just kids having fun and having a good time um yeah so yeah <laughs> But I think there was a there's an image that um, I saw, which was the girl laying on the cow, <laughs> um, which is a, it's a, a, the cow seat basically. Yeah. So it's kind of like a, um, a well, obviously a fake cow, yeah. um, but it but it's almost like life size, and the cow's laying down, and but it, there's somebody's made it into a seat, um, which I just thought was hilarious, and and she's just sort of like obviously you know chilling out lay, lay down on, on the bench basically that is the, um i realized that that didn't make it into the book and the, uh, as part of that you had mentioned i think is it a mentor um is it um, Octa octavia sorry octavia sharp she's she's equal parts mentor and close friend um, okay but she has uh been a photographer for many many years and she's she has a master's degree in studio photography mm -hmm. um and i love her eye i love her the way she takes images she actually if i could make a plug <laughs> yeah. she would be a fantastic guest on the shows uh she shoots mausoleums which is something a lot of people probably don't think about mm -hmm. on first thought of going to photograph but they're actually very interesting images to be seen in a mausoleum <laughs> well you see i didn't know that she did that but i um i was curious um and interested in in that relationship that you you know in terms of people creating photo zines or photo books and things um i found that that was um worthy of kind of like 
a bit of consideration that you've obviously gone to somebody else and said this is you know these are this is my body of work um and I'd like some kind of curation almost or some mentorship around it or or somebody else to look at that um and how that relationship works and whether you found that to be really fruitful and positive or if there's been any challenges around that as well that's something I thought it would be interesting to ask you about um yeah uh, for sure I mean I think what I really learned about making that book is to collaborate with other people because otherwise it becomes very insulated and I I guess me I know myself well enough now to know that um, I'm the type of person that I just want to get things done as soon as possible. <laughs> and so sometimes I'm like this horse with blinders and it's like, I just want to get from point A to point B. And like, and I don't really get to, you know, consider the journey in between. And so I think working with um, Octavia, who later on became my editor for the book because like her contribution has been very significant in how I put the book together. Um, and I also got the help um, of my sister who is a designer. And so she, she has good expertise with when it comes to um, like type and just design in general, um, just having the feedback of people with, very different perspectives and different experiences you um, really opens up um, the possibilities like you know uh, like sure you can do a book or a zine on your own and get it done very fast um, but if you also get like the help from other people it can be a completely different thing and a very good experience and lots to learn from yeah I, I, sorry Sorry, I was just going to ask if you think you will use that approach again for the future. Oh, for sure. <laughs> for sure. I think um, I got into a very, like, I get into this obsessive phase. I think the first week I got uh, 17 rolls. So I shot 17 rolls in Saskatoon. I scanned all of them in five days. Whoa. <laughs> so at the end of the week, I have like more than 500 images. And I was like, let's go, let's finish this. <laughs> um, but then I, now I'm a firm be believer in like letting things marinate. Just give it some time, walk away from it walk away from it for for a day or a few days or weeks and once you come back to it you would have you know seen it with fresh eyes and it would have been completely different but is that that is a pattern you know um trying to do everything by yourself that i sometimes see in the photography community mm -hmm. people think <laughs> Yeah, people think I, 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 you know, I shoot the photos, I develop them, I print them, I, um, you know, design a book, publish the book myself. And uh, I mean, I just published one zine and I found just, you know, layouting the zine so difficult because it's not print is there are excellent people out there who know exactly what they're doing. And I'm just struggling and then in the end, I sometimes feel like I'm not presenting the photos that I put in the, the best way they could be presented in print. Mm 
and uh, I, I, I applaud uh, your uh, you know approaching people and and who know what they're doing and and you know getting the help. Then again, I mean, you, you it can go right, like in AIDS uh, uh, case, he his smithereen scene is obviously not he would you know admit himself uh, that it's not like the the gem of a layout because he basically just uh, puts images on spreads but it works it, it's a good a good representation of what he tries to to show people but i don't think that's generally the case and and i don't know maybe maybe i'm uh, it's okay to be amateurish as well because it has a charm but yeah, I think it's a fine line, especially if you if you if you want to publish a book. I think it's a very good idea to get people. Yeah, to... get other ideas and get other people's uh, views on it. It is that fine balancing act, isn't it? Between, um, I think it's all about it's got to be the right people that that make make sense. You know, that you can feel comfortable with, confident mm -hmm. in, um, and that that your personalities can you know they can challenge you over certain things but at the end of the day they're still your images and it's like where you can if you can have those very open conversations about actually no I really want that image in you know and and where you draw your battle lines over what does go in and what doesn't go in um I think that's yeah to be a fly on the wall in those conversations you know <laughs> Oh, it was very hard, definitely. Like, for me, curation was really the hardest part in the making of it. Like, when you have 500, how do you narrow it down to 50, 40, 30, right? How often does it happen to you that you really, really like an image and from the same series, your mentor or your friend says, hmm, I, I'd rather pick this one and... You think, oh, that's the the weakest image of of the bunch. How often does that happen? I wonder. Oh, well, just in terms of the book, it definitely happened quite a few times. I think the first couple passes, I was telling Octavia, "Okay, I think I'm done. I've decided I'm gonna make two zines now." <laughs> <laughs> And that's when she sort of just held my hand and she's like, darling, it's not. Like, I think you can push my push yourself a little further. I think you can, you know, narrow it down just a little bit more. And I think and she was very you know, like encouraging and nice about it, where um I think the way she really like got that point across to me was like I I firmly believe like more than the aesthetic value of these photos because these are beautiful photos I think you're also trying to tell a story here so I think you just really have to hone that and kind of I guess kind of put it together like what what is the story that you want to tell it's probably the difference between a solid book and a really strong book I mean because yeah, yeah. And that I makes, that's a fine yeah as you said Rach it's a fine line yeah. yeah that sounds so thank you so much for for today Ariel it's been oh, it's just been brilliant to, yeah to have this conversation and to find out a bit more about you and your work and and all of these processes that go into you know your beautiful website that you've created and obviously your book as we talked about um uh, I, I'm conscious that we'll probably, uh, although we're in the same time zone, at least for a change, um, we'll probably be um, wise for us to start to wrap up now. But um, 
please obviously let us know what uh, where people can go and um, find your work. Um, our listeners will be dying to go and see um, see your work. So this is my favorite part of telling people my Instagram handle. <laughs> Ariana <laughs> with eight A's. <laughs> it's eight. Um, it, that's, that's, it just stuck and now it's too late to change it. That's what people know me by. Yeah, for, I think for people who can't count to eight, we'll put a <laughs> link in the show notes, right? Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, that, yeah, that's my Instagram handle and you can also visit my website. It's ariella and and um it's spelled a-r-i-e-l-a yes ariella fantastic um so uh are people able to buy your book there as well or prints or what's best for that yeah you can visit my website and there is a little shop uh link on the menu I am trying to put together a print shop section, so maybe, hopefully, very soon. Because <laughs> when you go to the dark room once a week, you have a lot of prints to to, to share with other people. So. Just for our listeners, Graham is nodding knowingly, very silently in the corner <laughs> and looking exhausted, like he's just come out of a mammoth changing session uh, and basically covered in prints. He's just, <laughs> you could wallpaper your house with them, I'm sure, by this point, Graham. Pretty much, yeah, I think he's saying pretty much. Um, that's brilliant. And uh, I hope, obviously, all our listeners should go and check out your website, check out your Instagram, follow your beautiful work, and obviously, buy some of your prints and your and your books so yeah. we really look forward to hearing more about your part two book as well um so keep us posted with that won't you and um of course you're in london at the moment how much longer are you here for um before you're heading heading off have you yeah. got um i'll be here until april 7th so easter weekend Fantastic. so well if there's anybody around in london you know any <laughs> um you can, yeah, have a chat see if you can squeeze in a quick photo walk before you head head back maybe exciting yeah. London um, photo walks are the best. yeah thank you <laughs> thank you so much ariella um and uh yeah we uh we look forward to hearing everything else that you get up to in the future it's been brilliant yeah, yeah. thank you for coming on episode 320 we forgot to mention it's episode <laughs> 320 <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> uh, why, why? Yeah, sorry. I, I had to correct that error from, from the intro. Sorry, Rach. That's all right. Thank you so much. It's all gone to pot. Aid, where are you? Claire, where are you? What's happened? Um, I was just, we're so lucky that we have had our very special guest. So, um, um, shall I do the aid outro? As always, listeners, it's been an honor and a privilege. Um, you can uh, send us an email, sunny16podcast at gmail.com, or you can find us um, obviously on uh, Instagram or on um, Twitter. Um, and I'm wondering whether Graham will be on any of those. And the main thing, of course, as Christian is our um our discord um kind of representative uh, of course find us on there as well sunny 16 podcast yay uh thank you so much and we'll see you soon bye bye bye, bye.